0: To the official podcast of the Mission Redlands, we are a growing community living out God's radical love. You may be seated, Amen. So we're in this series called the Gift Exchange that Pastor Jason uh, kicked off. uh, He kicked off for us last week, Um, and and the week that, that I was uh, assigned to was a week that dealt with exchanging our hurt for comfort or affliction uh, for comfort. Uh, and uh, God has a, a kind of funny, maybe ironic way of m- making sure that when you're going to preach on a sermon, he definitely walks you through the, you know, through, through the actual steps of implementing that. And it's been an interesting last two weeks for me. Uh, you know, Christmas can, as Pastor Jason Jason shared last week, it can be often stressful for us, right? And uh, usually for me, I'm a math professor, and so it is stressful for me. At least the first two weeks of December are the most stressful, um, at least in the second half of the year, because of grading, finals, and uh, all that good stuff that's happening for us that, that teach at some capacity. And so... That in itself usually is a lot of stress and a lot of work on top of managing life. Well, here's what happened in the last week and a half to me. So last, not this past Wednesday, Wednesday before that, that's the Wednesday, that was the last day of class. So that means the next Thursday, that next day, final start. So the day before final start, which was a week and a half ago, Uh, I get a phone call from my neighbor, from my backdoor neighbor, who said, really quickly, I pick it up, hello, and he says, "Uh, yeah, there's a fire in in your house, and I just put out the fire on the outside part of the house. Uh, The firemen are trying to get in uh, for the dogs. I'm like, wait, what? Stop. Rewind. Wait, what's happening? And so he walks me through it slowly. Apparently, the electric panel, the breaker panel on the outside, uh, there had been a short circuit, or maybe it was a storm, we don't know, uh, had caught fire. Thankfully, thank thank God, he was, at that moment, he was walking by, and so he had a fire extinguisher. He puts it up. Fire, I'm not there, but this is what I'm told. Fire department arrives, police arrive, um, and their concern is because it was a short circuit, there could be a fire inside of the house. And, uh, and they're calling me to say, hey, are you around? Because we're going to soon break in to avoid uh, any fire. And so... I call my wife. She's closer because she works at Loma Linda as a physician. And so I call her and I say, hey, can you jet home? Uh, they're about to break in because uh, there might be a fire and the dogs are there. And so she runs. Well, in while she's running from the hospital to the house, here's what happens. Uh, allegedly, someone sees smoke coming from inside of the house. And so the firemen then break through the door. Um, my concern when they did that was how my dogs would react because they tend to be very frightened. <laughs> They're small breed dogs. Um, and even though one of them is a chawiener, if there's such a thing, <laughs> he's a chawiener. He's a hairy chihuahua weener. That's what we think we rescued. We don't know. His name is Miles. So Miles freaks out when a bunch of firemen start walking in and he runs out the door. Now, for the... For the few of you in this room that have actually met Miles, you know that he can be very hyper and very uncontrolled. And Miles has no sense of danger. So my concern is, like, if he sees another dog at the other side of the street, he, he doesn't understand that that car can take his life. He's just going to walk, run over there. Car, please stop. He just has no sense of danger. And so that's what I'm concerned about. But Katya, as she's running from the hospital, happens to be arriving at the house as the dog is running out. Miles is running out. And so she picks him up. Thankfully, he's okay. But then they don't want to let her in until they don't want to let Katya back into the apartment because my other dog. Mota, which I know means something weird in California, but in Puerto Rico, it doesn't mean that, but Malta's the other dog, um, and she's okay. She's in the inside, and eventually the firemen bring her out. She was frightened. She hid under a piece of furniture, um, so um, that causes this whole issue. Even though the, fi- the fire didn't damage any part inside of the house, the city uh, or Edison said, you have to, uh, we have to cut off all power from the house. Um, And so what happens, which is still happening, is essentially uh, all of the wiring, because this house is old, all of the wiring needs to be changed. um, And so I'm probably going to spend Christmas where I am right now, which is in a hotel, which sounds nice, but it's not that nice in terms of how much you have to Uh, adjust life around it for both my wife and myself and so we're living out of a hotel Um, uh, thankfully insurance is is helping with that but it still has been very challenging in the midst of grading and in the midst of finals that all of that is happening well on sunday night (laughs) so okay so here's the second piece of bad news I love coming to church. And last Sunday, I wasn't here, not because of all of this, but because I got sick. I, I developed the cold last, er, about a week and a half ago. And my wife said, look, you're really sick and you're really contagious. You can't go to church. I was like, I'll sit in the lobby. She's like, no, you can't go to church. So I watched the live stream. Hello, live stream. <laughs> um, but I couldn't come to church, which is a bummer for me. I feel weird when I don't. Um, but then Sunday night, I decide I'm going to go to CBU, where I work. I'm going to print out the exams for my students. And my fault, I rear-end someone. Um, and, 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 and here's what really got to me. I mean, because it, I, I was distracted. I don't know. I rear-ended someone. It's my fault. It's an old lady. And I just felt horrible. I, and at that moment, as I'm pulling over to the side, Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't cry that easily, but I'm this close and, and it's because of all that feels that is happening to me at this moment and the timing of it during finals. And I was on the phone with my insurance three days ago because of a fire. Now I have to get on the phone with them because of an accident I caused. So I'm freaking out. Um, I call my wife and I call my dad, uh, life is falling apart, you know, um, And so I I don't want to keep going on all the things that have happened, but, uh, you know, on more serious things, we've all dealt with uh, things that happened during the holidays, but just in general in life, we all experience suffering. We all experience serious suffering uh, and affliction, whether it's sickness, whether it's death, you name it, divorce, there's a lot of things that are happening that are causing a lot of distress in our life, a lot of where are you, God, in a sense, Right? Um, the good news in our main passage today is that God provides for us an exchange for our hurt. He gives us the comfort that comes only from God, meaning the comfort that only He can provide when there's no sense of comfort that man, woman, or any concept that we have made up can provide, a supernatural comfort. So our main passage for this is in 2 Corinthians. It's in uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Uh, this is where we're going to spend most of the time. I'm going to read a lot of other passages, but this is where we're going to spend most of the time. Uh, 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. So he's the God of all comfort, right? who comforts us in not some of our affliction, all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Not with, by the way, comfort we make up, but it says there, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We're supposed to pass on that godly comfort uh, to others. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, comfort. So what I want to do today very quickly is go through four reminders about affliction and hurt and how God relates to that how he exchanges that hurt with comfort. Number 1, as we grow into Jesus, troubles are expected along the way. Let me say that again because sometimes there's this notion that that can that that can remain in our minds it's not of God, it's not of the Bible that If you're a good follower of Jesus, troubles go away. No. In fact, as we grow more into Jesus, troubles are expected, and usually more and more along the way. 1 Peter 4.12, Peter, the rock, right, on which the church was built, he tells us, hey, don't be surprised in First Peter 4 12, it says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised because it will come, it will test you. It's expected, it's part of following Jesus. That's the part that I think we need to reprogram. It's not that we're just supposed to say, Okay, let me adjust with God's uh, strength. No, it in order for us to become like Jesus, it means we follow all the steps that He's taken, and, except for, of course, the atonement that He provides on the cross. We don't have to do that, but we do have to go through some suffering. In Hebrews chapter two, verses nine through ten, it shows us what, that, in fact, Jesus's path to glory was required to go through salvation, right, to get to salvation. It was required for Him. to to go through suffering in order for him to get to glory. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than angels, that's Jesus, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, that's us, should make the founder of their salvation, that's Jesus, perfect through suffering. I think I I didn't say it right last time, so I'm, I'm saying it right now. Jesus' path to glory is through suffering. Jesus' path to glory is through suffering. For our sake, of course, and that's good. But suffering is part of the journey. It's not the only element of the journey, but if Jesus is going through suffering to get to glory and we are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, people who want to be transformed into Jesus, we, we got to walk that walk in a sense. Not to the extent that he did it, but suffering is expected. It's expected. Now, it's not the end of the so- story, thankfully. Now, Paul knew this. It wasn't just Peter. Paul knew this. And so Paul even excitedly, here's the crazy part, with excitement talks about this. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, when he's talking about becoming like Jesus, he says, that I may know him, that's Jesus, and the power of his resurrection, and may, oh please, may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul understood that to follow and become like Jesus requires that, yeah, trials are going to come our way. Suffering is expected. So the good news, though, is that it's not pointless trials. It's not pointless suffering. It's not suffering for the sake of of just, you know, walking you through fire. It's, It's suffering that's allowed for the purpose of developing something in us, more Christ-likeness. The idea is to become more like Jesus, who is the most joyful human and God, because he is both God and man. He is the most joyful being ever. He is the most joyful person. In spite of the affliction he endured, the point that we want to do is become the most joyful person ever and we do that in becoming more like Jesus. And so there is purpose in suffering. It is to make us more complete. James says this. I have a lot of scripture, but I'm reading fast through it. James 1, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all to joy, or count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Any kind of trial, right? For you know that the testing of your faith, here it comes, produces steadfastness committed steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that commitment has to have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing well wait complete and lacking in nothing in what where are we headed to become like jesus so to become complete meaning to become more like jesus Requires testing of the faith, and the testing of the faith produces this commitment, rock-solid, steadfast. Uh, uh, steadfast is a word that's used to describe the love God has for us. It's unconditional. So that's a better word. The testing of our faith produces this unconditional f- commitment of faith towards God. And in that, we become more like Jesus. Trials, tests of faith, make us more committed more unconditionally committed, more complete, and thus more like Jesus. Rock-solid commitment, and we become more like Jesus. There's evidence of this all over the Bible. Here's another one, Romans 5. In Romans 5, it actually mentions some of the qualities that are produced when I overcome suffering, right? We just saw that in, in James, it says that, It makes us more complete. Well, how does it make us more complete? In what ways? Well, in Romans chapter 5, it says, in verses 3 through 4, not only that, but we rejoice. Once again, this dichotomy. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces, here it is, not steadfastness, a little more detail. What does it produce? Produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that's hope that is... Uh, a hope that we could always count for, right? And we can always count on it. It's a hope that is, is never let down. It's the hope in God. So that the, these passages are just for you to see that first point. If we go back, the first point of the first reminder of affliction and hurt and how God relates to it is that as we grow into Jesus, troubles are expected along the way. They're expected because Jesus went to glory through suffering. And they're expected... As we become more like Jesus, because we need to walk the same path. We need to become more like him. We will become more like Jesus in completing the missing aspects in our, in our character, in our endurance. All of that is being developed into become more Christ-like. So there is purpose. But there's more good news. It's not just that suffering is, meaning, is not meaningless. It actually has a purpose. There, there's more good news. Reminder number two, two, excuse me. When we are afflicted, God will give us present comfort and future glory. Let me say that again. When we are afflicted, when you are going through that trial right now, I know all of us are going through some form of trial, know that God has comfort for you now, and he has future glory waiting for you. This is a promise, okay? Okay? 2 Corinthians, we just read is our main passage at the beginning uh, uh, of the sermon, 2 Corinthians verses 3-4 through four in chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which We ourselves are comforted by God. So we receive a comfort from God. This is a comfort that no psychologist, no psychiatrist, no best friend, no father, no mother, no one can provide. It is God's comfort. It is supernatural, and it is as crazy as Psalm 23 that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a supernatural. God is present with you. Whatever goes wrong, I'm I'm ready because God is with me. I feel his presence. So he gives us present comfort in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, right? In the midst of that challenge, God is giving you comfort now. But there's, wait, there's more. There is future glory. It's not just just comfort that you receive now. He's exchanging that affliction with you to give you comfort now and future glory. 1 Peter 4.13, it says, But rejoice insofar as you share, again, rejoice with sufferings, right? Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's, sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You're going to see this now at least three times in three different passages. You're going to see it at least three times that it talks about this coming glory, right? Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Glory, attached to it again. Right? So it's not just present comfort. There's future glory, whatever that means. Right, We'll talk about it in a second. There is future glory coming. You should know this passage can be so misread. It's not diminishing your suffering. Let me read it again. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Watch this. It's not that your sufferings are, are meh, right? They're not like this small little thing. Your sufferings are big. They, they, I mean, death of loved ones, cancer, what, whatever it is, these are not trifle, right? These are, these are real sufferings. But God is that much bigger, You see the difference? It's not that this isn't big. It's not that we're diminishing the sufferings that we go through. It's just that God is that much bigger. And when I'm teaching math, this comes up often. You know, five billion is a lot. It's a big number. We're used to saying billions as in big numbers in the economy and things like that. But infinity makes five billion nothing and that's what we need to understand. We're not saying five billion is isn't a lot. It is. But next to infinity, it's nothing. Next to God and his glory, the future glory that we're going to receive and experience in his presence, the sufferings are nothing. They, they are meaningful. But next to God's glory, they overwhelm it. They overwhelm it. Have you ever gotten on a roller coaster and tried to think about whether you left the stove on it's really hard you're overwhelmed by the exhilaration and the and, and and the and and the you know the the joy if you're like me i love roller coasters if you're not then this analogy just fell flat But there are experiences in this life that we have in the moment that are thrilling. And when those experiences happen, it's really hard to go back and think about things that are bothering us. It's really hard. Even for me, and I have OCD. Now, exponentiate that with the supernatural great creator God who who knit you together with a purpose and who is preparing for you a weight of glory that is unimaginable you will be so overwhelmed by the glory of God that those sufferings will slowly fade away. Or quickly. <laughs> I think quickly. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 says this again. Watch how it goes to glory. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction... Again, it just kind of makes suffering a little thing. It's not that the suffering is small. It's that God is that much bigger. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. See, in comparison, it's not that the affliction is small, but in comparison with God's glory, there's, there's no match. As we look not to the things that are seen currently in our affliction, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. It's going to pass. Your suffering is going to pass. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, sufferings are not diminished. God's glory is that much bigger. His love, His goodness is that much bigger. His restoration is much bigger. His life over death is much bigger. His joy is much bigger. His beauty is much bigger. His justice is that much bigger. His glory is so much bigger than all of the suffering that you are enduring. It will overwhelm you in a good way, just totally demolishing your past sufferings. That's what's promised to you. We get comfort now, but there is future glory that is so overwhelming in a good way that our sufferings will diminish and disappear. Number three, reminder number three, when we are comforted by God, we pass his comfort to others. We already read this, but it is actually a divine duty that we have as believers We often encounter in the body of Christ people who are going currently through an affliction that we experienced in the past. And it turns out that there is a a sub-purpose to our affliction. It is to provide the comfort we received from God to them, which means God is using you to comfort others. God is providing the comfort only he can provide through you. This is different than emotional support. This is divine emotional support, because emotional support is just the fact that I've been through it to hang there, hang in there. You're going to get to the other side. It took me, I don't know how long, and that's it. It says in that Second Corinthians passage in chapter one that when we comfort others that are going through the same trials, it's not with our comfort, it's with His comfort. It says so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, not with your comfort, but with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's God's comfort. That's different than the comfort you or I can provide. So we provide comfort to others. We provide God's comfort. The comfort that we received divinely from God, we pass on to others. The last reminder, reminder number four, we are comforted from affliction now when we patiently rely on him. If you want to know, while you wait for that future glory that's coming, right, that's not now, how do I exchange my affliction now for comfort? How do I get the comfort that's promised now? Because, Ricardo, you said we get comfort now, but future glory later. How do I get that comfort now? There are two key words in that bullet point reminder there. Patiently rely. We are comforted from affliction when we patiently rely on God, on Him. Those two words are essential, and it's biblical. Second Corinthians, again, our main passage in chapter 1, verse 6, it tells us, the key to receiving that comfort. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. And here it is. How do you experience that comfort? How do I get this exchange happening? Right there. Which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. I patiently endure. It's not an empty endurance. It's an endurance that's Again, relying on two things, future glory and present comfort that God will give me now. It's not just enduring for the sake of surviving. Rather, it's enduring for the sake of thriving into comfort and future glory and joy now in the midst of affliction. It doesn't mean we don't mourn. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. Those are parts of life. But it means we can experience comfort you know, Jesus says the Holy Spirit, it, he talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14 through 16, and in the King James Version, I think it says comforter, right? In other versions it says, like ESV, it says helper. And, and there's no English universal word to translate what the Holy Spirit is described by Jesus from the Greek, which is paraclete, right? And, 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 and what that is, one of those words is comforter. But what it means is really someone that is side by side with you, comforting, comforting you, counseling you, advising you, guiding you side by side. As Pete uh, Greg once said, God doesn't helicopter you out of the affliction. He parachutes in. He parachutes in, into the suffering with you. That's the Messiah we serve. So when we when we patiently rely on him, we're relying on that comfort because he is side by side. The most comforting aspect about God in the midst of affliction is that he is there with us. And his holy presence overwhelms and, 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 and brings down the affliction. If we are afflicted it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure. But what about the reliance? A few verses later, Paul is talking about how basically they were despairing of life itself. In verses 8 and 9, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was, here's the purpose, to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So endure, right, be patient but rely on God. Move away from the self-reliance and embrace relying totally on him. How powerful is this God? He raises the dead. That's the God that we rely on and that we serve. That's why we can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. At the beginning of that Psalm, in Psalm 23, it says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is a God that though your afflictions are not diminished, your sufferings are not You know, trifle matters, they are so much smaller than his great, unconditional, overwhelming, never-ending love, his goodness, his restoration, his life over death quality, his joy, his mercy, his beauty, his justice. He's just that much bigger. He's so much bigger than all of that. As the worship team comes back, let's, let's recap these four reminders. Number one. Remember that as you grow into Jesus, that means that you are going to go through some of the things that he went through to get to glory. His path to glory had suffering. So if you're a follower of Jesus, meaning you're on your way to becoming like him by the power of the Holy Spirit, nonetheless. But you're on your way to becoming like him, troubles are expected along the way. Trials are expected along the way. Number two, when we are afflicted, God will give us now comfort and future glory. Number three, when we are comforted by God, we are to pass His divine comfort to others. Right? It's His comfort, not mine. And finally, how do we get that comfort now while we wait for the future glory? We patiently rely on Him. May we know and with faith, patiently relying on Him will give us a supernatural comfort as we experience His presence. The psalmist in Psalm 23 says, I, I, you're rotting your staff, they comfort me. I won't fear evil. It's because you are with me. He is the comfort. Let's pray. Father, um, we, we humbly ask that, that you would give us encouragement in our sufferings, in our hurt, in our afflictions whether they are directly related to being a believer, as in afflictions because of persecution, or whether they are just the trials of life and the sicknesses and the death and and the broken homes and all these things that happen, and whether they are challenges of work or employment, financial struggles, whatever it is, we we want you to give us a comfort that doesn't make sense, a comfort that overwhelms us, it overpowers us, because it is your very presence. You are with us, the paraclete, Father. You are there to be our counselor, our comforter. You don't bring us out of the affliction. You jump into it with us. May we feel your presence as we right now as a congregation, as a family, the mission family here right now, as all of us are going through different trials. May we not seek to to try to question you, but may we seek your presence. May we not run away from you, Father, but may we exchange our affliction with you to receive comfort. May we get that gift of comfort and may we be expectant and joyful for the future glory that will overwhelm us in such a great way as all the sufferings, the death, the tears, they all fade away and you bring about a new heaven and earth and you restore things and all things are made new. Remind us of all thing, of all these things and give us comfort right now to each of us. Father, I want to provide a, just a small space here right now. As you that are praying with me, congregation, if you have right now a suffering you're going through, just present it to God right now. Give it to Him. Give your suffering right now to Him. And I pray that right now you would patiently be committed to relying on Him and receive this comfort that the comfort may be experienced not just now, but later throughout the day. Father, I pray in the name of the mighty name of Jesus Christ that this would be a reality, that that comfort would descend upon this place, that your presence would be so overwhelming that we would know you are there and you are comforting us. Whisper your word, whisper your, your love to us as we walk through the trials right now at this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Whisper your love. Give us reminders today and tomorrow. Give us passages. Give us biblical encouragement. Give us encouragement through the body of believers. Speak to us and comfort us. As, I, as we come to an end, I pray also for the tithes and offerings, Father, as the ushers come forth. May you multiply those. May you use them to advance your kingdom. May the Mission Redlands uh, become a safe haven for lost souls for people that are afflicted, that they would come and be comforted by us, but with the comfort you give, not our comfort. Multiply the tithes and offerings and use them to advance your kingdom. Nothing more, nothing more. To advance your kingdom, nothing out of our gain or anything like that. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.